Island Minds, a mental health podcast. Please note, these episodes deal with topics that some listeners may find distressing. For suggested contacts, please see the show notes on our Facebook page after this episode. So back in March 2021, when we launched our very first episode, we spoke with my very good friend, Michael Mullen, who talked about his experience with mental health. And we thought it was about time that we brought Michael back to the podcast. So I'm going to introduce and say a big hello there to Michael Mullen. Hello. Hello. How's it going? (laughs) It's good. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm excited to be back it's crazy to think that both that was only just a year ago that we did that first episode and it's crazy how long it feels at the same time it feels to me having listened to the subsequent episodes that this thing just feels like it's been going forever now you've got so effective at what you're doing and it feels like such a staple within my social circle on the Isle of Wight and to see the sort of success that you guys have had with Island Minds from that starting point where you were just like, hey, do you want to speak to me about mental health and stuff? And I was like, yeah, sure. I didn't realise how much it would grow and people are listening in different countries for some reason to an Isle of Wight based mental health talky thing, uh, which... That is our tagline, mental health talky thing. Exactly. And I think branding like that is what's uh, making it a winner, to be honest. But looking back at, uh, because I listened back to the first episode uh, today to sort of remind myself and reflect on the things we covered back then. I think you said something along the lines of, oh, just a silly podcast on the Isle of Wight isn't going to be enough to make change and all of this. And it's awesome to see that we kind of hinted at, but everyone needs to start somewhere. And maybe this is, this for some people could be that turning point where they start to think more and a difference starts to be made. And I would argue that that is the case already. So well done you. Thank you. It's definitely been an interesting year because obviously when we started back in March, mental health was very much at the forefront of the media because of the pandemic, because of COVID, because of the rise in awareness And it's been really interesting to track that in the media over the year. And I have to say the the podcast itself has been received really well. We've had really good feedback, which is lovely. You know, at no point did we ever set out to give, you know, unsolicited advice or give people bad advice or the wrong advice. It was simply to give people an opportunity to talk. And we didn't really know if that was something people were going to want to listen to. But over 700 downloads, 18 different countries. We were expecting maybe 100 downloads <laughs> like in a year. It's two people in their living rooms with cheap equipment talking. <laughs> so yeah, so it's um, yeah, it's been very interesting. It's been a big learning curve for us as well because obviously there's subjects that we need to research on before we can talk about them really because it's actually even without giving advice, it's quite easy to say quite damaging things or quite dangerous things that people might find quite triggering or might might interpret things. So it's, yeah, it's been, it's been good, but a huge learning curve. Absolutely. I think one of 
the biggest things I have noticed, uh, I mentioned in the last episode that we did, that I'm a student mental health nurse at the moment. So I'm obviously another year into that now. And having been placed a couple of places on the Isle of Wight, um, working with service users and with the other people providing services, that that learning curve never goes away. Obviously, I'm a student at the moment, so I'm expecting to be learning new things every single day, which I am. But as someone who has been a service user and is still myself, uh, from that side of things, you're constantly learning more stuff about yourself, about what there is to help, about uh, what other people can do for you, what you can do for other people. And all of the professionals are all constantly learning. I think that's actually a big thing that would help everybody, whether you don't feel like you've experienced something you would describe as mental ill health, uh, whether you suffer really badly, whether you have in the past, everyone could embrace this idea of learning new stuff all the time because that's the only way we're going to make progress I think and it's going to help everybody out to just be open-minded and embrace and pursue learning new stuff there is something that I think about a lot I'm not hugely present on social media but obviously some big trends or headlines do pop up Uh, I see a lot of stuff that you post uh, about mental health news uh, and that sort of get an insight into what's sort of happening in the the world, uh, what the views on the subject are quite a lot. And I often wonder if we've made really good progress now, especially after the pandemic, in mental health awareness. People in general are becoming very, very aware that uh, mental illnesses and are a thing, a real thing uh, that happens and that taking care of your mental health in general is an important thing to do. So we're very aware of it now, but more mental health education might be the next most important step uh, because there's a lot of people I know who have tried to help and speak to me when I've been very unwell and there's a big sense of I know that you're struggling and you're suffering but I don't have any idea why or how or what I could possibly do and that it makes it difficult for people to reach out and help people who are struggling because it's rare that they are going to reach out themselves and if you don't feel like you know how to start that conversation uh, it can be very stressful for you as well because they're your loved ones or someone you care about so of course that's going to stress you out so yeah just a, a conceited effort to try and learn as much as you can constantly because there are no real answers it's always going to be changing but embracing that idea of seeking knowledge I think that's a really good point there is a lot more awareness now and generally people are aware that mental ill health exists and like you say 
there now probably needs to be a big push in education so more people are aware of what they can do how they can notice the signs and what is actually helpful in that situation but equally there is more awareness but awareness doesn't mean that people are more accepting it doesn't mean that the stigma has gone anywhere people may be more aware of it but what you're still seeing you know across all social media platforms is just a lack of empathetic approach people still have the same stigmatized views that they had before they were more aware of it so awareness is great but I think it does now need to change and adapt into something that's going to be more useful yes you mentioned a great word that I hear constantly at the moment uh, in empathetic and empathy and uh, something called unconditional positive regard are really key things drilled into us as student nurses uh, that are like core values of being a nurse and the more and more that I learn and progress on the course the more that they're just kind of values I tend to practice in everyday life because I don't see any good reason not to so unconditional positive regard just being uh, to it's essentially just assuming the best in anyone and everyone we're very very quick to jump to conclusions uh, about people or start to think about why they might be doing something or feeling some way before we even talk to them before we even get to the point of asking them what's wrong or how they are or what they're doing or why they're doing it we're already forming these sort of unconscious biases about what we expect them to say Uh, but if you come into every interaction with unconditional positive regard you come in with the assumption that they're a good person that means well and so whatever's whatever's wrong whatever's ailing them or whatever's making them do something that maybe you don't agree with come in assuming it's not their fault and then work from there perhaps but everyone's not a lovely person perhaps someone doing something bad it is their fault but there's no reason to go in ahead of time assuming wouldn't the world just generally be a better place if people had um I really like that unconditional positive regard it's just a really nice term (laughs) perhaps it would be a better place I like to think so I think empathy gosh I could go on uh forever (laughs) and ever about the state of our society and the way we approach interacting with each other (laughs) Uh, but uh, more empathy and less us versus them in general would probably be very healthy Like I said, it's great to hear you mentioning that term just casually, because obviously, like I said, I have lecturers banging on about it and Carl Rogers and his humanistic approach to psychology and stuff all the time. So it's like a buzzword for me, but to just hear it be a normal thing that people talk about when talking about approaching mental ill health is Mm. pucker, because that education as well as awareness is obviously spreading i think we we do see now in sort of everyday language we're seeing more and more usage of words such as empathy mindfulness it's becoming more and more um rooted in everyday 
it's still got a long way to go but I certainly hear mindfulness and empathy a, a lot more than I think I did pre-lockdown. Mindfulness obviously another big 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 thing that I know the NHS and a lot of charities and organizations and mental health professionals are pushing as being such a useful and effective tool for Mm. anyone to practice in life so all of the stuff that we talk about and that you and all the other guests have talked about in all the other episodes it's all just a very complex balancing act the whole way along you've got all of these tools and techniques that you can use but you can't lean too heavily into any of them because that could cause its own problem so everyone's individual and again you're always learning and you're always changing so perhaps it's not always going to be viable to practice mindfulness in a certain way perhaps you do need to do something else at this point so it's a balancing act and it's constantly changing so no wonder people struggle all the time it's a difficult thing balance is important and I think going into this sort of new world where we are asking people to be more mindful of more empathetic towards mental ill health it's okay for people to make mistakes it's okay for people to be ignorant of these things it's asking people to be open-minded to listen to take on you know other people's experiences and to maybe embrace it with more of an open-minded approach than perhaps they previously had but it's absolutely okay to make mistakes it's absolutely okay to have misconceived ideas that's fine that's human it's then how you move on from that how you sort of what you take away from what you learn Yes, and that, as many, many people know, that the process of making mistakes is often the best way that we do learn stuff. So you you do think or say or do something wrong and then recognise that, that's going to be a very powerful tool for you to learn not to do it in the future. Yeah. And and, and improve in whatever regard that is. Um, I guess we should talk about boys, since that's what we are... We should, because so as a female podcast, we're very conscious that there are perhaps sectors of this that we are not the best place to talk about. So having you on here, um, it would be really good if we could talk about uh, men's mental health. Yeah, I did notice, as I said, I re-listened back to what we talked about the first time around last year. And it was mentioned, we touched on men's mental health briefly, and your statement was there's so much there to unpack we could do a whole episode on men's mental health and now a year in we're doing that Uh, I also noticed uh doing a bit of self-reflection um within the first 10 seconds of me introducing myself I talk about having dealt with depression and anxiety and then I said something I said I had dabbled in alcohol addiction but I wouldn't call myself an alcoholic. And I even clarified this. It wasn't because I was afraid or ashamed of being labelled that term because there's a huge amount of stigma uh, to the term alcoholic. Anyway, but that, that wasn't what was concerning me about saying I was one. I said, I know there's people who have it much worse and so I shouldn't complain there. And... I thought just in 10 seconds, 
that was a good example of me even having accepted that I struggle with my own mental health for a long time, uh, seen so many professionals about it, learning to be a practitioner myself. And so I've got this, this huge wealth of understanding and knowledge and all of this. And I overrid all of that with the concept of man up. Don't complain about it because it's other people that have got it worse. So just keep it to yourself. Even on a platform where you invited me to come and talk about my own mental health issues, I decided it was more important to be a man and shut up about it. Do you know what? I hadn't clocked that, but you literally invalidated your own experience in that sentence. That, wow. Good reflection. Yeah, well, it wasn't very hard. I made it, it was almost like I set myself up for this by being so blatant with it right off of the bat. But it made me think about... Uh, something we'd learned about quite early on in my course, uh, the idea of schemas in your brain, which is, in layman's terms, the the processes which your brain learns to deal with information and to deal with situations. Rather than coming to a situation and and working it out from scratch, every time you encounter it you have these little processes that you've used in the past so each time you see a zebra crossing you don't have to go what is this what do i what do those lines mean you go i remember that cars are going to likely stop here and i'm going to be able to go across the road Mm -hmm. that's a very obvious one but there's a lot of these schemas that society and the way you're brought up embeds into your brain and they are amazingly difficult to rewrite or overwrite. Uh, we're very good at creating new ones, but, but it's very, very hard to unlearn something like that. Um, and these, you can be given new information, you can be told oh, you should talk about how you feel more as a man to your friends or you should go to a therapist or something. But we don't just process that blankly. We process it through our schemas. So because ah. that's just how the brain works. So we're not given this new information and said, oh, oh, okay, I should talk more about this. We go... Okay, they're saying that we should talk more about this, but it's going through the filter of I'm not allowed to talk more about this. So that's very confusing. And that that is very stressful for uh, a lot of people in general. And uh, as you had said, statistics have shown that it's a bigger deal for men uh, because there's so many obvious things and pressures that we are slowly, I believe, starting to move away from, uh, but things that create these schemas, like the term man up, um, the idea that men have of having to be providers for the family, uh, the idea that they have to be the strong one, um, and the idea, like I mentioned, that I did, the idea of not having to burden other people with your problems uh you as a man should be able to deal with them yourselves and i'm certainly not saying that any of these are 
the right way of thinking. Uh, and I'm not also saying that any of them are bad ways of thinking. There's a lot to be said about being strong and independent and dealing with your own problems, but they are not the only lens with which we should view life and everything that gets thrown your way. Uh, because it, it obviously leads to some pretty cataclysmic uh, trends uh, that we see uh, across the nation and globally. Um, I didn't know if you had any specific statistics that you wanted to go through, but... These weren't necessarily surprising to me this time round, searching for them for this podcast specifically. But I remember last year when I was watching Roman Kemp's documentary, Male Mental Health and Male Suicide in particular, I was shocked. that I remember being shocked and I think it's not that I'm not shocked by it, it's terrible but it 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 was not surprising which I guess in in a way is is bad as well uh the two that I picked up on in particular this and this is from the mental health foundation just as a source um so in 2018 there were 6,507 suicides registered in the UK and in 2019, there were 5,691 registered in England and Wales. And of these, three quarters were among men. And this has been the case since the mid-1990s. So this is not a new... Oh, trend is the wrong word. But th- this is not a new statistic. This has been a, a problem for, for quite some time. Um, and the other statistic um, that I found... Um, men report lower levels of life satisfaction than women according to the government's national well-being survey I mean there's there are lots there that kind of follow the same and while women are more likely to be diagnosed with a problem um, men are more likely to follow through uh, with things such as suicide yes and that is the big the big factor and the big statistic that on this topic we are taught about uh, when training to be a nurse. The, unfortunately, I believe the most recent statistics from 2020, 2021 have had an even more downward trajectory. So uh, we were told that it's, you're, a man is roughly four times more likely to can to take their own life, complete suicide uh, at the moment. And in general, uh, when you look at public health, so sort of the well-being of the population on a national or global level, uh, mental health services, uh, certainly in the UK, are judged solely on uh, the number of completed suicides in the country that year. And they have been going up steadily. So we recognise as a country now that we, we are in a crisis because our main goal in mental health is to reduce that number and it's steadily going up. So something is wrong. And so big changes are going to have to happen. Uh, now, obviously, we're coming off the back of a pandemic, which it sparked among other things, this whole business starting, recording these podcasts, and uh, it's raised awareness, and obviously that is going to affect uh, the well-being of people's mental health in the country. But 
it seemed likely that we were headed towards this crisis regardless of the pandemic. Uh, there's so many different factors. Uh, obviously, the financial situation in this country is a mess at the moment, and that plays heavily on these sort of statistics. And there's a lot of problems, especially when you look at the, the men's side of things with that higher likelihood of actually following through with taking their own life. The, the information age that we live in, uh, when you've got all of these schemas that I talked about before, about what it means to be a man, and you're brought up aiming towards that goal. When you're a boy, you want to grow up and, and be a man, and it's, it's, it's seen as a good thing still. But then there's, there's so much changing in the world, and it's often, I imagine, hard for people to to recall what, what it actually means to be a man, especially when a lot of things associated with that gender identity are now being uh, somewhat demonized or somewhat looked at as just negative character traits that can play on someone's mind, especially someone who is predisposed to not talk about this sort of stuff and just process it all through in their head. It's hard for me to think of an exact uh, example. And I'm not saying that some of the things that men are known to traditionally do aren't problematic. It, it may be good that the idea of what a man is does change somewhat, mm. but it can't be expected for people to have been brought up thinking this is the way they should be. Yeah. For us to turn around and say, no, stop doing that that makes you a bad person it's going to take time to adjust to that mm. um and it, and it can lead to situations where uh men lose sight of what they should do and there's a sense of hopelessness that that obviously comes in there but yeah the the statistics are awful and generally speaking what we can put it down to is that on average men are mess, much less likely as we said to talk about the way they feel or seek help for it uh, and this extends interestingly beyond just mental health services uh, men are much less likely to seek help for any sort of physical illness either um, rather just wait it out mm. and just hope for the best and it's really interesting to look at the reasons for all of these things there's women are from what we can see looking at it in terms of anthropology we're going into all these different lenses and sciences now women are predisposed to interact with uh, the medical system much more because they tend to spend a lot more time in it regardless uh whether uh, people who are mothers, obviously you spend so much time going in and out of hospital, interacting with doctors uh, and uh, so many other things throughout your life that I don't know anything about, but, but female <laughs> physical health is a lot more involved. There's a lot more interaction there in the first place. And so it, it doesn't seem like such a big leap to go to your GP if you feel like something's wrong. And all of this sort of stuff 
going on in people's heads, uh, stopping men from talking about things or seeking help. It means that when they do reach out, it's almost always in a crisis situation. And that is very difficult for mental health services to deal with because preventative measures are not only much more effective, but a lot cheaper and a lot easier for the NHS to manage than uh, reactive measures. Yes. If someone has had, has, has been overwhelmed um, and is feeling like they want to take their own life, then they perhaps would have to be brought in for constant observations, which means that's a bed in a hospital. And there's only a limited amount of that. And that costs us a lot of money to provide that to someone. Whereas if they had, in the lead up to that breakdown, if we had caught it ahead of time, maybe we could prevent it from getting worse. Mm. And then that cost didn't have to exist in the first place. And that strain on an already strained NHS means that even more people could get the treatment that they need. And it, and it can be tied to any situation that anyone has. If someone is overwhelmed and they turn to drugs, if they smoke loads of weed because it helps calm them down, then they have too much and have a psychotic episode because of it, then they need to be brought into a ward. And, and the follow-on effects of that can be massive if you are assessed under the Mental Health Act uh, during a psychotic episode as not having capacity, then you need to be sectioned and brought into a ward and you have to stay there for a significant amount of time. There's a minimum amount of time you would have to stay, stay if you're assessed as needing the treatment that was there. And that can have an effect on your life when you leave the ward. It could affect uh, your job. Uh, I think it can affect whether you can get in or out of the country and whether you could drive there's there's certain specific rules for the period of time immediately after you've been discharged from a psychiatric inpatient ward wow so the follow-on effects it, it seems a bit insignificant at first where you're just like oh man you should just talk about your feelings a bit more but when you look at the big picture not doing that seemingly insignificant thing is having but how much more evidence do we need about how big of a deal it is that this this four times more men are taking their own lives because they go down this path and and don't see any other viable option it's so it, it really is upsetting to think about that that We've got these schemas and these thought processes. They have so much power over us that we, I'm kind of, I've, I've had uh, a hard time very, fairly recently. I've been particularly unwell uh, over the last couple of months. Um, and as I said earlier, having the, the great position I'm in, in terms of being able to look after my own mental health, I, I'm learning all this stuff constantly. I'm engaging with all this stuff. I have a cohort of like 50 other people all learning the same stuff. They're incredibly supportive. I have an amazing network of friends. 
uh, I, I, I'm connected to a wellbeing team at my university. I've worked with inclusion in the past. So I have all these professional and personal relationships. I have a wonderful girlfriend who's very supporting and understanding of all this. And even with all of this stuff, I was in a position recently where rather than talk to anyone about that, I'd rather make an attempt on my own life. That that's it's so ingrained in some guys to avoid troubling other people with our problems that in the moment it seems like a better option to try and kill yourself, which is baffling to look at in hindsight. And uh, obviously, I don't need to go into detail about why that's a bad idea, the temporary, the permanent solution to a temporary problem and all that business. But gosh, yeah, it's it, it makes sense at the time, which is a scary thing. And so the fact that you said having a surprising amount of people who are men coming on to just your podcast um, talking about these sorts of things is so incredibly powerful because like with any piece of media that anyone absorbs, we know that it's important for there to be representation um, so that you can identify with someone and like, oh, they're like me and they are talking about this maybe it's maybe i could do that as well uh, i think it's probably very easy for men to get overlooked when thinking about representation because we dominate every other <laughs> like uh and films and television and sports and corporate thing men are just overrepresented everywhere so it's hard to think of guys as the sort of underrepresented hard done by minority but in this very specific very specific niche that more or less is the case it's what the evidence is telling us and with all of this big picture stuff looking at public health and like i said the country the government recognizes that we are in a crisis at the moment when looking at how to tackle that you've got to identify the problem areas and groups and cater to that specifically. Uh, if you're going to address any public health concern, the first thing you do look at is usually women and children, because if you're going to try and make generational changes, you have to make sure that new mothers and newborn children are going to grow up in a, in a more positive environment. But I hope as we move forwards that the new policies that the NHS and uh, government legislation makes, they, they take note of how overwhelming the evidence is that shows that men are a problem area, a problem group that need to be helped specifically. They need to be included. It's all very well talking about new mothers. And as someone who's about to become a new mother, I've seen a lot of this. There is a lot of focus on the mental health of the mother. There is a lot of focus on, on, on the environment you're bringing the baby in, but the, the dad, is it is very easily sidelined, in a lot of that. Men have to be included in these things, because if they're not, the crisis will, inevitably, deepen. Yes, that, is going to have to be 
it seems a a structural change as much as it is a change that is the responsibility of uh, men as individuals. Mm-hmm. We are talking at the moment about the fact that guys need to talk about this stuff more and they need to seek help and they need to do this or that or whatever to make sure they take care of their mental health. But what we're unpacking as we discuss this is that it's it's incredibly difficult for guys to do that. So just telling people, you need to do this, you need to take care of yourself, isn't going to make the change we need. In fact, things just keep getting worse and worse and worse. So the state or the services themselves need to step in and make that easier and take that responsibility off of the people themselves because really that's just that's causing more and more of a problem than uh, anything else and I'm not sure what the exact routes can or will be for that in terms of structural change I hope that stuff like this uh, just talking more openly about it and embracing that concept of learning through sharing this information you'll learn from other people that have had uh struggles with their own mental health you'll learn from people that work in the field you learn from people that have no idea what as far as they're concerned they have no idea what they're talking about but they just give their observations Mm. that's valuable as well so the more people that do manage to make that leap of speaking out about it hopefully it'll have a snowball effect because yes the it's noticeable when when you look out and and you do see like you said people talking about this stuff on social media and the engagements that you get it's usually mostly women that are responding to those things Uh, it's very anecdotal but I remember seeing, I think it's a post that either you made or had replied to about um, uh, medication, uh, antidepressants, I think. Uh, I don't think, I know. Um, There was basically lots of people singing the praises of sertraline, which is a fantastic medication. It's usually the, the first... Uh, in the first instance of a depressive or anxiety disorder, that will be what's prescribed as standard. And I saw lots of people talking about, oh, it's good, it was better than this thing, it was better than this. And I, as a man who have had experience with taking that, I'm like, yeah, but your dick can't get hard when you're taking sertraline. <laughs> so <laughs> it's all well and good, these people saying, oh, sertraline's great, like, this is the one you should go for. And men I didn't speak up I didn't say anything about it because it's embarrassing and it's uh, emasculating but then men might see that go to the doctor start taking this medication oh now I have erectile dysfunction on top of the fact that I was depressed in the first place and boy does the idea of having erectile dysfunction play heavily on a man's mind and on how at least he thinks other people perceive him so in a lot of cases going and taking that specific medication could make things a lot worse and just 
having that sort of perspective put into these dialogues would be very helpful because then at least a guy could go see his GP, talk mm. about medication and be like, I've heard that sertraline can have an effect on your sex life. Is this true? Yeah. And they'd be like, yes, if you're worried about that, there are other options because mm. there's a huge load of options and different stuff works for different people. Yeah, and you're right. I believe it was a post I put up about medication and I think all of the responses were from women. And you're quite right, they were all singing the praises of sertraline. Um, And I guess when we read through the side effects or the side effects we experience, we're not going to then be mindful of how that may be different in men. I mean, until you've now just... Um, enlightened us that that isn't something I would ever have considered but what would have been really great is if a man felt like he could have jumped on that thread and said well from my perspective just so you're aware I would ask the question how do we change that how we can even make small changes from this this level yeah it's as I said a little ways back it's, it's very difficult to see what the path is yeah. uh, in terms of a bigger picture uh, what what the solution is um, luckily we, we do have uh, entire sections of uh, the medical field and the government that are supposedly working specifically on coming up with a plan of action for stuff like yeah. this so uh and unconditional positive regard, there's no reason to think that they're not going to do their best to come up with something that would be effective. So mm. that I can try and take hope from. Yeah. Uh, the The biggest thing on an individual level, the fact that we're having this conversation is I think the best thing I can suggest and it's very difficult to adjust your mindset mm. as as any human being uh, when you're when you're starting to feel down or unwell or uh, it's, it's very difficult to adjust your behavior or your coping mechanisms or stuff when you're in that state perhaps looking at the flip side of things when you are feeling well having a look at your mindset and how you how you see yourself and how you see yourself as a person and what what your aims and goals are. What do you actually want to achieve? Um, Because I think, I think this is more universal, but uh, in, in our culture, there's very much, um, we we aim to succeed at stuff. Mm. We aim to, to win that life gets a good job we want to be financially stable and we want to be uh, generally speaking in a relationship and have a family and uh, all of these things and very few of the goals that people set for themselves are like I want to be happy that's not number one so people if it was then maybe that wouldn't be sacrificed for the pursuit of a better job, a better a promotion. Oh, I need to work harder and neglect my well-being so that I can get there. And if I hit that point, then 
I will be a better person. I will have succeeded and that will make me happy. Uh, when really, if you're not setting that happiness or at least that state of contentness with your life, if that's not the goal you're aiming for, it's never just going to happen as a byproduct. That's what you've got to work towards. And so if you do that, when you are feeling up to it, then, then that changes your whole approach to life and your mindset and will hopefully help in those times where things start to feel worse because it's part of those schemas that you're putting into your brain. If how you process things are, oh, oh the end goal is that I want to live a happy life and I want to be in this state of mind where I'm productive and I feel good about life, that's the main thing I'm aiming for, then speaking to someone about the fact that you're having these troubles and thoughts or something it's no longer getting in the way of your goal yeah uh, and with men sometimes that goal is to uh, I've got to be I've got to appear to be strong I've got to be the man I've got to have this great job where I'm a provider um, that takes precedence over I need to be a happy and well-functioning member of society <laughs> Uh, so just change our mindset and how we look at things if that was my first thought what would make me happy when reading your social media thing about medication when I was on my way to a lecture about mental health if I was thinking about that maybe I would have chimed in with uh, uh no I, you know, it's a great drug but it does have some pretty shitty side effects for men so maybe keep that in mind yeah. Because I know it makes me feel good to spread awareness about this and to maybe help other people. But what overrode it then was uh, that's embarrassing. I don't want people to see me as a, a limp dick loser. So I'm not going to I'm not going to come in with that. There is definitely going to be an e-warning on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. No, because now it opens up the possibility for, you know. All sorts of language. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yes, that that is in a big, long-winded way the the thing that I think can help the most. And it kind of ties together a lot of the stuff I said when we started about embracing everything being a learning process. So if you're doing that, then the idea of changing your mindset becomes less scary because you're constantly learning and you're constantly changing the way you think um, and set adjusting the goals that you set for yourself in life. Not to lesser goals, but just thinking about what, what ultimately is more important and what ultimately is going to have a bigger difference. Because I'd say if you aim for happiness, then all the other things will probably improve yeah. because if you're, you're feeling well mentally and emotionally you are more productive and you are all these other things that were your initial goal I want to be productive and successful they can happen as a byproduct when happiness evidence doesn't support that that can happen as a byproduct you hear all the time about people with all the money in the world that uh, feel awful regardless mm. um, on that train of thought uh, in terms of mindset with goals and outcomes and how we think about them. I've learned a lot about the idea 
in the mental health sector of working towards recovery as opposed to uh, working with recovery as opposed to treatment so yeah. you think of treatment you think I have a problem I'm going to get treated and then it will be cured and then things will be great and I won't have to worry about that anymore whereas recovery is just a journey from point A to point B where point B is better than point A yeah and that obviously looks very different for different people yeah but in the long run it's so much more productive because things don't always go perfectly well and there are no cures for as far as I'm aware any sort of uh, mental disorder or any sort of low mood or whatever it's it's just something that you work on continuously until it isn't overwhelming you anymore what you've pointed out there is language is so incredibly important and the language that's being used sort of on mass in publications and literature it's so important that 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 is correct because then that is what ultimately filters down into everyday um conversation eventually and you're quite right treatment brings with it its own um sort of connotations but for many people that have been through the mental health services you'll know that it is about management and recovery rather than cure and um you know that's it bish bash bosh done it is about living with and being able to manage so that your quality of life is greatly improved by your own coping healthy coping mechanisms because we know that there are some truly terrible um coping mechanisms that many of us have sort of help or or you know we we go into that so yeah language is so so important and it's it's one of the things that we're quite conscious about on this podcast there have been a couple of episodes where we've gone back and re-recorded bits because actually the language we were using while innocent um could help to fuel certain stereotypes of certain illnesses but that's something that we're obviously learning ourselves um that it's very easy for these things to come into everyday conversation and obviously in the podcast we have the ability to edit but in everyday conversation you don't (laughs) that's yeah the importance of mindfulness that you mentioned again right at the start we're bringing a lot of stuff full circle is (laughs) is key Mm. Yes, what what you say and how you say it does matter. Yeah. And these days, if you're if you're typing a status or something to put on social media, the words that anyone says can have be very far reaching. It's not it's not like just having a chat with someone at a pub in person. Um you can reach a lot of people and you don't know what level of knowledge they have about the subject so they're going to read from your words uh whatever they're going to read so it's best to be mindful of what you're saying and give the best possible chance for the right meaning to be gleaned from what you're saying Uh, yeah um there i said so much stuff in a big long diatribe there i'm not really sure what any of it was but yeah I was just I was like trying to find the right point to say are you okay like to are you like are you okay because obviously you've 
you have talked about your very personal experience so i kept trying to want to say are you okay do we need to take a you know <laughs> yeah i wasn't expecting to say that i noticed i dwelt a lot on i'm not sure if the vibe coming in was for me to talk about my personal experience but listening back to the first episode i did quite a lot of that mm. and i wanted to maybe look at a broader picture this time and then I was describing a situation <laughs> in general about guys and I'm like this is this me the, I did this just now and it feels stupid to be like hypothetically if this happened yeah. someone might do this when I'm like <laughs> someone definitely would because <laughs> I just did that was... and... it, but it's interesting isn't it again because we're talking about men feeling like they can be more open and encouraged to talk about personal experience but there was still I know we you did do it but there was still that almost hesitation to go into it hypothetically rather than as a real personal experience um, yeah but it's so interesting what you said about when we had you on here the first time like invalidating your own experience because other people may or may not have it worse uh, that yeah I never clocked onto that it, it's it's always okay to express uh, your own worries or fears or feelings even if there's worse ones the thing about talking about addiction and oh there's other people who whose lives have been far more devastated than mine I shouldn't talk about that there's a lot to be said in uh, of people who are suicidal and make either attempts to take their own life and end up not doing so, um, feeling like, I'm not really sure what the word is, being tentative about discussing that with people because you feel like, oh, it's not really that big of a deal. If he really wanted to do it, he wouldn't be here talking about it now, would he? So... Uh, it's a cry for help yeah. or it's this or that when perhaps a cry for help does uh, and in my case happened after the fact of what I'd done I'd cut my wrist after having far too much to drink I planned to do it in the day leading up to getting drunk and the reason I got drunk was so that I would be less scared of doing it so it was a a conceited effort all the way up to that. And it was only after having done, done it and seeing the blood and panicking that I then reached out to a friend of mine across the country in the middle of the night who was probably ruined his evening, uh, as well as some other of my friends. Um, he he got in touch with some friends that live nearby in the Isle of Wight who, I don't know, it was like one in the morning or something, but they turned up at my door and helped me out immediately so so I think it's important for listeners you know there's a lot of myths around this idea of a cry for help being attention seeking it's actually what makes a huge difference so it shouldn't be shouldn't just be blown off it, it was so important it's so good that you did that oh yes I like to think so at the moment that's for sure it's <laughs> very good <laughs> it yeah it, in that scenario and I think uh a lot i cry for help is quite literally what it says on the tin yeah. it wasn't as i said it was it was a planned event from the get-go and 
uh, very pointedly wasn't saying anything to anyone about it at any point until I was in a state of panic and then fight or flight kicked in. Mm. Um, and it's just a response to that. It's, I think it's probably, it's, it's quite damaging for people who are in a state where they're suicidal or have tried to take their own life uh, and, and not completed yeah. the suicide it's 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 quite harmful in any case to sort of diminish or belittle that state because <clears throat> evidence obviously shows that people who have attempted suicide are exponentially increasingly more likely to go on to complete suicide so again unconditional positive regard just come into it thinking it's a very serious thing uh, and needs to be addressed because there's no help in coming into that scenario and being like oh that prob- person probably just wants attention that's that's why they've isolated themselves for weeks and not spoken to anyone and then said one thing to one person for five minutes they're attention seeking <laughs> but it's a tricky situation it's tricky to process all of that when you're outside of that person's mind so yeah that's why we're talking about stuff I'm very grateful that you have shared that. Obviously, there's never any expectation that people have to share very personal details. But the fact that we are talking about it, um, the fact that you have shared that, I'm grateful and thank you. Yeah, it's it's a super huge thing to talk about. I know that you know me very well, but it's still a super huge thing to do to actually vocalise that. So I'm just, you know, super fucking proud of you. (laughs) Cheers. It's a weird old thing, and it's uh, it's but very confusing at the time and since about what I don't know I don't know it's 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 scary because I'm still so unsure of yeah. what my plan because I've I've I I have done like self harming stuff in the past and that's that's separate from being suicidal yeah um there's lots of people that hurt themselves as a release because it is it's a, it's a very cathartic way of releasing overwhelming emotions um and it felt very similar to that but then as I said I knew I went in planning mm. the other thing and, and that obviously I wasn't in a good state of mind at the time so it's hard to see um it's hard to know yeah. what I was thinking at all which is like why it's scary going forwards because you're like oh I I, I want to try and take measures to avoid that state of mind where I have no idea what I my state of mind was or how I got there so it's like how do you avoid getting back to that but yeah thanks thanks for talking to me about it if you have been affected by any of the topics covered in today's podcast please see our show notes on our Facebook page for our suggested contacts if you're interested in talking on our podcast please get in touch through the Facebook page we'd love to hear from you stay safe wonderful people.